You have perhaps heard the quote, those who do not remember their history are doomed to repeat it. This nation was established by men and women who loved and who honored God and in the 18th century during the Great Awakening, the theme of man's sinfulness and God's mercy was the main topic of preachers and of evangelists at that time. Along with John and Charles Wesley, as well as George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards stands as one of the most recognized participants and defenders of that first Great Awakening that took place in the United States. And his sermon, talking about Jonathan Edwards' sermon, centers in the hands of an angry God, caused many a person to fall to their knees and to repent. 100 years later, in the 19th century, there was a dramatic reaction to the preaching about sin. The general theme in preaching changed from preaching about sin to emphasis on the love of God and not only on the love of God, but also on the goodness of man. In other words, teaching that man is not really that bad anyway. I mean, let's don't get carried away and point out all these sins all the time. Then as history so often does, the cycle repeated itself. And as the church entered into the 20th century, a trend emerged as preachers tried to balance the reality of sin and the magnitude of God's grace and the necessity for a holy life. But at the same time, there were those theologians that struggled openly and publicly with certain passages in the scripture that seemed to portray an angry God. Indeed, they argued, just look at the Old Testament, and one cannot deny that God demonstrated anger uh, in sudden manifestations of what they considered arbitrary anger or random anger. They based their argument on a couple of narratives that, to be honest, I would think you and I may have wondered about ourselves and narratives that we really have not totally understood. Maybe some of you have, but I openly have said I have not totally understood them. So therefore, what did I do? I stayed away from them. I couldn't believe it when the Lord had the nerve to bring them up. Hallelujah, glory <laughs> to God. Now, the first one is actually found in Leviticus chapter 10. Now, Nadad and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Now, I've heard all kinds of things said about that. But you know, when the Lord quotes it and says, this is it, it's something else. So I'm just going to tell you, if I were you, I would listen up to what he had to say about it. This brief definition of the death of Aaron's son surely raises a question in your mind. And again, it certainly has in mind for years. I wonder, how did Aaron react to this? And when we go back, you're going to see that it really was an offering that was out of order. And you're also going to understand that it was something like a bribe that they were doing when you really look at it. Earlier in the scripture, God had ordained a magnificent ceremony for the consecration of Aaron 
as the high priest and detailed every part of that beautiful garment that he wore that only the high priest actually was allowed to wear. Imagine Aaron, the proud father, watching as his sons were also consecrated to be a part of the priesthood. Yet sometimes later, those two young men approached the altar in the tabernacle, and as young clergy sometimes do, they decided that they would innovate. They decided that they would come up with new methods and new ways of doing things. Hmm. Or we could say it, something a little more contemporary, yeah. something that would fit in the flow better than how they perceived it should be. They took it upon themselves to offer a sacrifice to God that God had not asked for. In other words, it was inappropriate in every single way that they did this. And as they did so, without warning or rebuke, when the strange fire was put on the altar, God struck them dead. Can't you just imagine Aaron going to his younger brother Moses and asking, what in the world is going on, Moses? I've devoted my life to the ministry, and is this the thanks I get from the Almighty? that my two sons are killed on the same day and at the altar, no less. Let's look at Leviticus 10:3. Then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron therefore, kept silent. So Aaron actually had the maturity to recognize what was happening, which is why he kept quiet. When God established the priesthood, he also established certain principles for the priests that were non-negotiable. It's God who put it in order. It was not man who made God's rules. It was God himself who did it. In simple terms then, we could say that God said, I will be regarded as holy by anyone who dares to minister in my name and before the people, and I will be treated with reverence. Now church, we know that at large, most of the sense of reverence for God has absolutely disappeared off the planet. Yes. on a whole. Amen. It wasn't a suggestion that God gave. It was a command. Right. You see, there's a principle at stake here. And the principle is this. The primary issue is not what God said, but that he said it. Amen. So before you dissect what God said, you need to remember who said it. Amen. And we're too quick to forget who said things. Every word that God speaks is of the utmost importance. But what gives every word its utmost importance is the person who spoke it. Right. Amen. Having known God's instructions to the priest, Aaron's son decided 
that they could add to the directions of the Lord. Don't you think the church in America needs to wake up? That they could add to the directions of the Lord. That they could do something extra. Something different. Something new. Now, maybe you don't feel the essence of this, but I certainly do. As I watch on television or as I see things that are happening, I'm stunned at the level to which we have lowered standards of who God is, what he accepts and what he does not accept based on contemporary thinking. We look at this story and we think, gee, that's pretty harsh. (laughs) They weren't, they were trying to honor God, weren't they? That's what naturally you and I would think. That's what I thought at one point. Actually, they were trying to bribe God. They were trying to do it their way. Centuries later, Samuel the prophet would answer that argument conclusively when he said in 1 Samuel. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. So let me say this to you, church, with indelible ink. That can never fade away. I suggest that we write on the tablet of our hearts to obey is better than any sacrifice we would ever offer to obey God. Church, one act of obedience to God's word is more pleasing to God. This is an amazing statement. One act of obedience to God's word is more pleasing in God's sight than 100 days of fasting on bread and water when the Lord did not tell you to do it. 